had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Soon be Christmas. I've been saying that all year, but it really will be soon soon Christmas. Uh, My name's Colin. If I've not met you before, great to have you with us. Um, Are you looking forward to receiving some gifts at Christmas? Good, me too. And even better, of course, that the great feeling you get when you see somebody receive a gift that, that you've given and they like it. But I wonder what is the worst gift you've ever received? Just think about that. I remember one year, my auntie and uncle gave me a hole puncher. <laughs> I mean, it's a useful gift. It's a useful gift. It's not, it's not it's, you know, that's pretty good. Except it was exactly the same colour and model as they'd given me the year before. <laughs> so they'd, they'd obviously bought a job lot of them and um, just kept redoing. Um, the worst one I, I've heard of is um, my mate James, who was my best man, his girlfriend at the time, he bought her an ostrich egg. No, I've no idea why either, but he just thought it before he to buy her an ostrich egg, except she thought it was just an ornamental thing and put it somewhere on display and eventually started noticing a nasty niff and <laughs> worked out it was actually a real ostrich egg. Weird gift, can't explain him. You'll ask him. Now, I love Christmas, uh, and, and uh, Christians, you know, we know the end of the story. We know um, it leads to great things. But this morning, let's just step back and look at Christmas from Mary and Joseph's perspective a bit. Because this great moment of, of cosmic, eternal significance, the, the key to God's plans for heaven and earth, for all people ever, it had a real practical impact on a young couple from Galilee. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't straightforward. It wasn't Christmassy. And as we unbox Christmas, unbox the gift of Jesus this Christmas, his birth has got real, practical, down-to-earth impact on us and our lives. So there's an outline in your leaflets there. And first of all, it might seem a bit of a bar humbug on Christmassy heading, but there are ways in which Jesus was an unwanted gift, an unwanted gift. 
See, Mary being pregnant with Jesus had potential to ruin life for her and Joseph. So verse 18, they were pledged to be married. So in their culture, this was more full on than, um, than our modern day being engaged. It, it was more like they began the, pro- the process of married life together, but without the living together and sleeping together parts. So I think the closest I've experienced to this is back in the UK, Sharon had a good Muslim friend from a fairly traditional family. When she got engaged, her fiancé moved out of the family home and she moved into his family home so that she could get to know the parents, get to know how the family worked. So it was a bit more like that. It was a more full-on thing. And ending an engagement, it wasn't just calling off an engagement. It meant divorce, verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So the first Christmas, it begins with with division, with a broken heart, with disappointment. Like a lot of our families at Christmas, it was complicated, messy. Mary being pregnant could stack the odds against them making it in the world for the rest of their lives. And in their sort of shame on a kind of culture, Joseph could have had Mary publicly shamed or worse. But instead, he has in mind to divorce her quietly. So to make the least fuss, to separate in the most compassionate way he can, bringing Mary the least shame. But just imagine you you're Mary or Joseph telling your parents. Imagine their disappointment, their disbelief. What a gift from God. An unwanted gift. You can barely believe it yourself. But there's help at hand for Joseph. Now, you don't see this one on the Christmas cards, do you? And an angel appearing to Joseph. But it's here. Uh, verse 20, he gets a visit too. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Matthew's account of um, Jesus' birth, it's a bit more nuts and bolts. He doesn't have the shepherds or details around the actual birth. It's to put not too, point, too fine a point in it, Matthew makes it really clear that Mary had not had sex. So verse 18, before they came together, verse 20, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 23, this fulfills that a virgin will conceive. And verse 25, he did not consummate the marriage. So you get the message? No sex here. Now, if you find it hard to believe that Mary being pregnant had nothing to do with another bloke, it's worth remembering that Joseph found it hard to believe too. And that Matthew doesn't write this gospel as if you're just supposed to take this as a normal thing. He writes about it uh, as it is, as an amazing, miraculous, significant thing. Well, the thing about getting a gift, 
is it demands a response, doesn't it? You know, you try and make the right noises. Ooh, oh, that's nice, isn't it? That's lovely. Well, this Christmas, what kind of gift is Jesus for you? Because the angel tells Joseph what Jesus' mission is up front. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So Jesus is God intervening directly in history to save us from our sins. And as gifts go, that's pretty offensive, isn't it? You know, the idea that there's something so fundamentally wrong with you that you need saving. It's like getting, you know, opening your presents on Christmas Day and someone's bought you breath freshener or <laughs> super strong deodorant or something like that. Pretty offensive. But the Bible says that all of us have something deeply, fundamentally wrong with us. We're all broke, we've all broken our relationship with God. We're created to love and to serve him. And that's where real life is found. But each of us in our own way have pridefully rejected God's rule and put ourselves in the driving seat. And it means that without Jesus, everyone is in a relationship crisis this Christmas. A relationship crisis between us and God. Jesus is the gift we need. We need more than a Christmas makeover. We need more than noise-cancelling headphones to drown out our conscience and the sense of there's something missing. We need more than parties and, and magical feeling of Christmas to make sense of knowing that there's more to life. We need more than Instamax cameras capturing the moment because we know that every moment isn't quite right. We need more than vintage vinyl and more than nostalgia because we know our past is broken and that all our records are scratched. The fact that Jesus comes to be our saviour confronts us with the truth that we need saving. And more than that, verse 18 he comes as Messiah or chosen one. He comes as a king to rule. So is he an unwanted gift for you this Christmas? Many don't want to believe in God at all. Many like to say um, all they think there is is what is measurable. Although no, nobody actually lives their life that way. Many like to think of God as a bit like Santa Claus, you know. If we're reasonable enough, he'll grant our wishes like a genie, providing us with that sort of warm, feel-good fuzzies when we need them, and then we can put him back in a box until next Christmas. But a God who demands a response, a God who might tell us what to do, well, Jesus will go on to say, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And that's the exact opposite of what our world says, isn't it? Our world says, follow yourself, fulfill yourself. Even if who you think you are changes every five minutes, and you're always a big bag of contradictions, especially at Christmas, 
fulfill yourself, follow yourself. So an unwanted gift. Jesus was a tough gift for Joseph and Mary to bear. And it's a gift that's tough for us to accept we need. Tough to accept his rule. But Jesus is the good gift. He's the necessary gift. The necessary gift that we need. So the idea of a Messiah or a chosen one. Come to rescue and save God's people wasn't a new idea. There'd been lots of pretenders, usually promising like a political or military rescue from occupying forces and failing. And the idea of a king wasn't new. In fact, Jesus was descended from royalty. But even the very best of these kings, the most successful, they'd failed too. So King David committed adultery and had his mistress's husband bumped off. Next in line, Solomon. Uh, under him, Israel grew to the biggest ever been, the envy of the nations. And he thanked God by worshipping his wife's false idols. They'd failed. So what makes Jesus so different? How is he going to be the one able to save where so many others have failed? The difference is Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So verse 20. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And we're told another name for Jesus, which tells us why he is the perfect gift. Verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. So the creator of the universe, conceived and born as a human being. See, up to this point, whenever God had been even a little bit present with his people directly, it appeared as, you get the impression it's indescribable stuff, it appeared as fire. Or a pillar of smoke. You know, when Moses had caught even just a glimpse of God, what he saw was so glorious that when he went back to his own people, he had to wear a veil because his face was glowing or something from the glory of God. But now, the one who created life itself, who put galaxies in place, becomes a helpless baby. Because this time, he's come to save us. Jesus isn't just a political activist with God's agenda. Jesus isn't just a guru or a prophet who's come to tell us how to find God. Jesus is God come down to find us. He's with us personally. It's like the difference between going to a concert and being in sort of general presence of, a, of an artist. So um, our friend Andy went to see, a, there's a UK band called James, you won't have heard of, but they're big in the UK. He went to see them at Manchester Arena. Seats 21,000 people. So we had that arena experience of him. Here's one of his photos. But me and Sharon are really cool. We went to see James in concert. Now, they're not big in Australia, so we got to see them at 
the gov, which is like seeing somebody in your living room. So he was, you know, and they, they actually came out into the audience and like were right next to them, up close and personal. But even better than that, back in 19-something or other, Sharon went to see them. <laughs> Sharon went to see them live in Blackpool, in Costadale Blackpool, and they, the encore went on too late, and most of the audience missed the last train home. So the band came out to Blackpool Railway Station and greeted them personally. Isn't that nice? So no longer just in the general presence of God. God's come personally. And that means we can know God. That means we aren't left guessing if God loves us. Look, it's not like Jesus was on the subs bench in heaven and God called him into play because plan A hadn't worked out. No, Jesus, God the Son, through whom and for whom all of this was made, he was so concerned for our standing with God, so concerned for our eternal joy, he chose to become one of us. So the one who is the point of life became a vulnerable newborn life. You know, later in, in Matthew's Gospel, we'll read Mary and Joseph had to flee with him to Egypt. They became refugees. The, the more you think about it, the more amazing it is. The one who created Manus Island and Nauru, Nauru became a refugee. Ultimately, he would choose to be rejected, suffer and die in our place. To be separated from fellowship with God the Father. You've been in perfect fellowship with God the Father for all eternity. And chose to be separated from him. So that we are never separated from him. So that we can have the free gift of eternal life. Our sins forgiven. Perfect relationship with God. In his perfect place. Other people and other ways of life may promise you the world, but only the creator of the world loves you enough to become one of us in Jesus. So what do we do with this? It's all big, big idea to get your head around, isn't it? What do we do with this gift of Jesus? What does it mean practically for our lives? Well, let's think about accepting the gift. Accepting the gift. First of all, unbox Jesus. Stop trying to keep Jesus in a box. Give him full control of your life. See, even before his birth, Jesus demanded a response. Verse 21, um, Joseph was told him to name him Jesus. Now, by rights, as the adoptive father uh, of this child, Joseph should, would normally choose the name. But he gave up those rights in order to name Jesus after his mission. What he would do for us as commanded. Now, we tend to want to, to box Jesus to make him safe. So when I was leaving my old job as a radiographer, I noticed people trying to sort of quarantine me into a sort of a safe place. They said things like, oh, lovely, you're going to go and do counselling people and you're going to care for the needy. 
Because that was safer than thinking he's going to go and tell people about Jesus. So people will call Jesus a great teacher or a really spiritual person or someone with a special sense of God's presence. Because it's easier to refuse to give our life to someone like that, isn't it? But Jesus isn't just one of us, although he is that. He's the everlasting, almighty God. And he demands our life. He demands our autonomy. And the thing is, you can trust him with it. Because as we give up our life to Jesus, that we find true life. We find the goodness of relationship with him. And there is no better gift this Christmas. You can trust him. We strive to find our sense of belonging, uh, our sense of worth, um, some peace for ourselves. But Jesus thought you were so worth loving that your trouble with God was so serious that he gave up his place of perfect belonging and peace for us to be born in pre-industrial first century Palestine. But even as followers of Jesus, we can end up keeping Jesus in a box by doubting what he can do. And the great thing about Christmas in church is that we keep returning to this truth every year. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So that bad habit you're struggling with, your doubts, your fears... He can deal with them. He can deal with you. He can change you. He is God. And once we get our heads around that, all the other bits of the gospel that are are hard to believe fall into place. Jesus is God. So, of course, he can walk on water and change the weather and raise the dead. Jesus is God. So, of course, he can endure unbelievable suffering of course his death is sufficient to pay the penalty for all sin ever of course he is resurrected Jesus is God of course he can resurrect us to eternal life with him Jesus is God secondly God with us means we should stop rapping. It's just the Christmas-themed heading. What I mean is that is we should try and stop trying to wrap ourselves up to look good enough to save ourselves. Stop trying to save ourselves. Just think about it. If God coming to be with us is what it takes to save us from our sins, we can give up the idea that we could ever save ourselves. And all of the religions or philosophies or uh, worldviews are variations on the same theme. That if you get things right enough yourself, you'll be okay. But Jesus shows us that this like drastically underdiagnoses the problem. We're, we're so separated from God. Our rebellion against him is so serious that we can't make our own way back. 
Jesus says, you can't make it to God, so I'm coming to you. Trust in me. And that's so freeing. So instead of trying to make life worthwhile and good enough through relationships or sex or fun and work and family, good things, we can enjoy those things God's way, trusting in Jesus to save us. With him as the meaning and purpose of our life. With him as our salvation. That glimpse that Christmas gives us every year of of everything being alright, peace and goodwill and all that, that will be ours forever when we repent of trying to save ourselves and give ourselves over to Jesus. And finally, Jesus is a gift we must share. We must share. So give the gift of this good news to others. Now, I know culturally we're trained to keep this to ourselves because religion is one of those private things that you don't talk about, especially at Christmas. But God promises that many will turn to him. That there's lots of people out there who will trust and believe in Jesus. And he calls us to gather them. So think about your friends and family it might seem just impossible, like the very last conversation you'd ever have with them would be about Jesus. It seems impossible. But God loves to do what seems impossible to us. I mean, his plan for salvation includes a young virgin from Galilee becoming pregnant with the Son of God. That sounds fairly impossible, doesn't it? But God can do anything. So share Jesus and leave the rest to God. Okay, to sum up, what have we seen about Jesus as we've taken him out of the box? We've seen that Jesus is, for many, the unwanted gift, but he is God's perfect and necessary gift of himself to us. It's the only gift you need. We've seen you can trust Jesus with your life. Give it up to him. You can stop trying to save yourself and find your own meaning. Trust Jesus to save you and find your purpose in him. And we can have confidence as we share Jesus that God who delights in doing the impossible will save many through him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Please help us uh, capture afresh this Christmas that he is God, that he is all-powerful, and just the generosity of the gift of him to us that means we get to share perfect eternity with you and fullness of life now. Please help us share this good news. Please help many to put their trust in Jesus this Christmas. Amen.